The Theonauts, episode 108. The one where I name my biceps Alpha and Omega. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo code breakers out there. I'm David Gaddy. <laughs> I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are... The, the Theonauts! How you doing, David? That's just still not getting old. <laughs> hey, I'm, hey, I'm, good. I'm, I'm digging your new shirt design, man. Yeah. It's so nice. Yeah, for more information, holycubed.com. It's pretty epic. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's the it's the Cairo. Yeah. Yeah, the the and yeah, the Greek Alpha and Omega. Yeah, oh, it's perfect for yeah, the episode. Exactly. Yeah. So, I'm digging it. If you don't know what the Cairo is, <laughs> Cairo. Cairo. It's not a place in Egypt. Well, that technically is a place place in in Egypt. (laughs) 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 But it is an ancient symbol for Christ. Yes. It's the first two letters of the word Christos, Christ, in Greek. Uh, The chi, which looks like an X. Right. And uh, the the roll, which looks looks like a P with a little hook on it. Put them together and you got this cool symbol. You know, when I was a kid, I used to think of that stood for the Pope. Really? Mm. Yeah, because that's the Pope's signature. That's... He's Christ on Earth. Oh, he's got that. that. He uses that. Uh, It predates the Pope, though. Yeah. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. And supposedly, that's what Constantine saw in the sky. Was it Cairo? Yeah. To, to let him know, it was they used to use these these ancient uh, symbols like this to help secret Christians. Yeah, so like like, like the ichthus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was part of the same type of thing. There was a bunch of these things. Yeah, there's a there is a is one. It's called um, it's it's got a, a third thing in it. I can't remember. It looks like a wheel. It's 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 uh, it's Kai, Ro, and the first letter of Jesus's name, which is an I, mm-hmm. or it looks like an I, in our the iota, right? Iota. So uh, all three of those together, and it makes it look like a wagon wheel with a little hook cool. on it. Yeah. So yeah. that's another Christian symbol. So anyway, this is uh, you can get these shirts at holycube. Holycube.com yeah, for just, all your shirt needs. And we just started a uh, an apologetics series yes. of shirts there. And it's good that there's one that just says exegesis. Yeah. And it's I love it. I want to get it so yeah. bad. I got that one too. When I'm, I yeah, when I have extra fundage, I'm totally going to buy and, that. And one. I just I just created a new one. It's got the fi- these five gears on it. Yeah. And each gear has a sola from the Reformation on it. <laughs> and then right in the middle it says Soli Deo Gloria, you know, to God's glory Dude, only. Yeah, this is such a good Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I can't wait for this line. Fun. Yeah, I'm down for it. Okay, so, so how's everything going, dude? Uh okay. I'm working hard. Yeah. School's going to get work 
four weeks into the school year, and I'm looking at it going, we're only four weeks into the school year. <laughs> but I'm going to survive. I will survive. Yeah. Hey, hey. I've had a couple of the stinky weeks, too. Oh, well, you know what? You know, you take the good with the bad, and yeah. you go with it. You know, and that's, you know, you're out there in the world in front of the world's a stage, right? And that's we're right. all actors upon it. So yeah. uh, we have to make sure that we're... Um, we are symbols of Christ. Yes. Even when people are being goofy and just totally idiot idiots, <laughs> <laughs> and you want to scream and right. and shake them by the neck, <laughs> it's like hey, I can't do that. It's just a child, right? <laughs> Let's not kill. Yeah, them. not from my perspective. Yeah. But I'm sure you get. That. Oh, quite a bit, brother. <laughs> quite a bit. I learned more patience when I became a teacher than I've ever learned in my life. <laughs> hey, that's good. Maybe that's what God, you know, decided you needed. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for my patience lessons. <laughs> Anyways, All right, let's jump off into this. Let's do this. So I'm super excited about this, this Theonauts. Number one, because I heard you preach this, and I went, okay, we've got to do a Theonauts episode on this. <laughs> Number two, because it's all you. <laughs> <laughs> and I just get to comment from the peanut gallery yeah. this time, which is nice, but I can't wait this to comment from the peanut gallery. Well, awesome. So this is one of those studies that uh, I found years ago. I mean, it's like a... Um, I thought I had the, uh, a book here, but I guess I don't. It, it's um, it goes back to my Chuck Missler days. You know, we've we've brought Chuck Missler up a time or two. We should try to get him on the show. Oh, that would be so cool. Oh, the epic. But anyway, one of the things that he like he, he's he is such a geek. Like he's an older guy, but I mean he's like such an old school geek, and I'm a geek, and so these things just resonate with me. Uh, this study is about. Really, it's about the the supernatural nature of the Bible, right? And the supernatural nature of of the salvation plan, um, because it it shows you that there are signs and um, and codes within signs and within the words and within the Bible, and yeah, it's right there on the surface, but. Peel back a layer. Well, it's just so deep and, and deep and there deep. There it is again. And, you know, and it's uh, because it's so deep and deep and deep, it's so um, faith affirming. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about love about this stuff. And I, that's why I love Chuck, Chuck Missler. He's very faith affirming. Yeah, yeah. This is, and that's what this, this type of study is all about. And sure. it's not about, you know, a lifestyle that needs to change or anything like that. It's just really about letting you know that, you know, Guys just didn't sit around three thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, and dream this up and write it down. Right? I mean, this is like if if the Bible is not true and the salvation through Jesus Christ is not true, then uh, it's like the biggest, uh, most elaborate (laughs) hoax, and 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 um, I guess what you would call it, intelligent hoax ever. Yeah, because well, fifteen hundred. Yeah, what uh, there was over forty authors that wrote 
these piece, these pieces. Right. You know, the Bible is written. It's not just a book. It's like 66 books. Yeah. There's 40 different guys that wrote this over 1,500 years. Right. So th- how do you get those that kind of authorship to collaborate so well to make all this stuff work? Yeah. It's just no, it's like nearly impossible. It is impossible. I think it's almost astronomically impossible. Yeah. So, so anyway, this study is going to look at Jesus. Yes. And who Jesus is, who he claims he is, and how cool it is, how how it's like stamped and embedded in the very first uh, text of the Bible, the very first words of the Bible. Right. Talk about Jesus, and we don't even really know it, like because it's not there on the surface. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so the study begins at the end of the book. Yeah. So we'll start there, because there, a lot of these are going to be very familiar verses. We've we've read these verses, you know, over and over and over and over. Right. But there's some deeper stuff going on here that I think is is worth mentioning. So to start out with, uh, we start at Revelation, the 22nd chapter, last chapter of the Bible, verse okay. 13. In the ESV says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. This is Jesus talking to uh, John the Apostle, who's on Patmos. And in, in this vision, Jesus tells him, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And so we, most of us can quote that verse. I mean, right. we, we know that, that verse pretty sure. much by heart. And, and on the surface level, it just basically Jesus saying, um, I'm everything. I'm everything. That's right. Which yeah. is great. I mean, and that you can use that preach off of. I mean, that's... Yeah. That's so true. But but below the surface, there's more going on here. So there's a deeper meaning. Yeah. So I think that what he's saying is, in in essence, what he's saying is, I am God. Right. Uh, but not in so many words. Right. And so uh, it's 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 not coincidental that the apostle John is the one writing this stuff down. Yeah. Because okay, let's go back to the four. Uh, we call them gospels, mm-hmm. the gospel writings, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You got the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, right. Mark, and Luke. And then you got this fourth Third, one yeah. that is a little bit different. Right. And um, and it's written by John. And the whole point of the of that writing that by John is uh, that Jesus is God. Yeah. That's the message. So, like each one of these writers of of these gospel writings had a purpose. Matthew wanted to convey that Jesus was the Messiah. That's why he quotes a bunch of 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 according to prophecy, so that it may be fulfilled. Right. I mean, you get that lyric that that type of words all throughout it. Sure, it's all about Jesus being Messiah. Luke, or uh, is more about Jesus's. Humanity, yeah. the human side of Jesus. Uh, Luke's a doctor. That would make sense, right? Sure. Uh, you've got Mark, which is very short and straight to the point, but it really focuses on Jesus's service and his attitude as a servant uh, to to humans and to mankind. Suffering servant, yep. yep. And so, uh, and then you got John, which is really about God. He's God. Jesus being God. Jesus is God. Okay, and I think that that's what Jesus is confirming in one of these last statements that he makes in the Revelation when he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Yes. So um, 
Uh, one thing that – some of this stuff is going to be stuff that you can use whenever your Jehovah's Witness friends start knocking on the door <laughs> and want to tell you Jesus is not Lord. Right. You know, because I'm, I don't know if you've ever really sat down and talked to these guys, but they want to avoid that. They want to talk about the revelation with sure. you. Sure. But they don't want to talk about who Jesus is yeah. and what he did for us, right? right? Uh, and they certainly don't want to put him on the throne of God right? and, the, and uh, or anything like that. So um, – so a lot of this will help in those type of discussions as well, because let's go back to Isaiah 44, verse 6. <clears throat> in the ESV, it says, Thus saith the Lord. Now, the word the Lord there is Yahweh, Jehovah. That's the, so, you know, for your Jehovah's Witnesses, your, those, those guys, that, that this is talking about him. Right. <laughs> the, the Father God. Yes. So thus saith the Lord. The King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Okay? So you got Isaiah using the exact same, um, the exact same vernacular that we get in Revelation 22. Right. I am the first and the last. But then he makes this statement, beside me, there is no other God. There is no God. Right. I'm the only one. That's it. Okay, so we either have a contradiction in terms between Isaiah and Revelation, or Jesus is saying something bigger than just, I'm the very first and I'm the very last. Right. He is making a bigger statement about it. He's, he's saying the same thing to Father God. Right. What he said. What he's trying to say is, I'm that person. Yes. And the very fact that he, he starts out the statement saying, I am, should confirm, yes. confirm that. And that's another big thing that we'll get to here in a little bit, but... Yeah. The, the word I the that phrase I am was something that was just not said in the Jewish community Mm-mm. in the in the uh, in, in the Israel or in the Hebrew uh, uh, religion. Yeah, you did, the, out of respect, you didn't say I am anything. That's right because the because of the burning bush statement. Right. Whenever God says I am that I am, mm-hmm. that actually being the word Yahweh, Yahweh. Um, and saying tell them that. The I am saying. Yahweh sent you. Right. The I am sent you. And so, uh, so anyway, yeah, Jesus begins that verse by saying, I am, which, by the way, that's a study in and of itself. Go through the entire book of John and look at the I am's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, all yeah. over the place. Jesus is like saying it all the time. I'm the bread of life. <laughs> I am the, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I am the door. I am the way. <laughs> I am the truth. I am the light. Right. Life. I mean, it's like everywhere is I am this. Before and David was, I am, or who yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah, before Moses was. Moses was, I am. Yeah. So, um, okay, so we've got this this going on. Uh, so I, I really believe that Jesus is saying that I'm God. That's kind of what he's sure. So let's go back to John 1, <clears throat> because this is the very first thing that John writes in his gospel writing. And he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yes. Okay, once again, it's in the verse we can all quote. Right. The thing is, there's stuff that being said in here that, is, that, that has a lot of rabbit holes. I mean, a lot of rabbit trails we okay. can go down. Yeah. So, first off, on the surface, he really is saying that Jesus is God. That's okay. what he says, right? Yeah, that's right. Because if we continue reading, we find out very quickly... The Word is Jesus. That the Word he's talking about here is Jesus. Right. He says, the Word became flesh and, and dwelt among us, us yeah. and became a light into the darkness. And so, 
So he is proclaiming in the very first chapter of John, Jesus is God. Yep. And he was there in the beginning. Right. Okay, that's how he begins this. So when we think of this word in or this term in the beginning, what do we think of? In the beginning. Genesis. Genesis, that's right. But, I mean, we have the very first words of the book of John are the very first words in the entire Bible in in Genesis. So we think about that. Um, But, you know, instead of just coming right out and saying, in the beginning was Jesus, he doesn't necessarily say that. And what he says is, in the beginning was the the Word. Word. That's right, yeah. So we think about... We think about this 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 term that John likes to call Jesus. He calls Jesus the Word several times right. in his writings, um, and so th- the the question that we've never really asked is what word specifically is he talking about? Right? Like, is he talking about the voice of God? And I guess that's how I kind of always yeah thought about it. Was it was kind of saying the spoken word of God? Yeah, he is the 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 word made flesh. So he is he is spoken into existence. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you could take this, right? Um, but I want to look at it a little bit differently. I want to examine uh, this as let's take it quite literally, right? When he says, "In the beginning was the word," so let's think of that in terms of a word. So let's go back to. Um, what he said in Revelation 22. Yeah. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Okay, that's the first thing that he says. Now, he, John, is writing this in the, um, in the language of the, of the written language of the day. The, the written language of the day was Greek. Right, the Greek. The Greek. So that's why he says Alpha and Omega, because Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. And Omega is the last letter. Right. Right. So he says, and so that could just simply mean, I am the first, I am the last. Uh, But think about what Jesus would have said and what John would have heard. Jesus wasn't a Greek speaker. Right. Jesus was an Aramaic speaker. Right. So Jesus would have actually said, I am Aleph and Tav, which is the first letter of the Aramaic alphabet and the Hebrew alphabet. Right. And Tav is the last letter of those languages as well. It's a Sanskrit and, language. So, it's, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, Aramaic's like a, a, oh, it's like a Hebrew Creole. Right. <laughs> it's, there you go. It, it's, like, it's like a watered down street version of Hebrew. Hebrew. Uh, so, anyway, you've got the, the, this Aleph and Tav. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, and, you know, we're seeing how we're doing this via uh, audio. It's hard to. To do show some this. of this, because I'd like to show you right. the what what it looks like. Right. So you've got, uh, even though John wrote Alpha and Omega, Jesus would have said Aleph and Tav. And uh, so that, believe it or not, is a word right. in Hebrew. The thing is, no one really knows what that Hebrew word means or what it's used for. Uh, it's scattered all throughout the Old Testament Right text, uh, just right in the middle of a sentence, there'll be a aleph tav oh, together. This word that no one really knows how to translate it or what to, you know. There's been all these theories about well, it's there as kind of a punctuation, or to to add emotion or feeling into the text. Or I mean, there's all this this talk about what it could be, uh, but Jesus comes right out and says, "I am 
this. Right. Aleph Tav. I am Aleph Tav. Um, I am that word. So maybe that when John says, in the beginning was the, the word, yeah. uh, maybe he's referring to this word. And oddly enough, if we go to the verse that we think about when we read John 1, if we go to Genesis 1, verse 1, the very first uh, verse in the Bible, it says, in the, begin, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right. That's the first verse of the Bible. <clears throat> However, if you take and you look at that in Hebrew, and you look at the original Hebrew, uh, this word is in there and it's untranslated. Right. In that sentence. And uh, so that's really, really strange. Uh, you can see it if you have an a, a interlinear uh, Bible. This is fun. Uh, this is a fun study anyway. Right. Go through your interlinear Bible looking for the, the Aleph and Tav. The Aleph and, ta- and Tav word. It's there all throughout the scriptures. Right. And uh, I'm just going to pick out a couple here, but, the, the, but one of them is the very first passage of the Bible. Right. And where it's located, it's located between uh, Elohim, God, God, and um, created. Bra, uh, bra which Bra. is to cre- he created. Right. So uh, so basically, if you were to read this, and let's assume this word means Jesus. Right. Because he says, I am this. So let's read it as Jesus. So if we were to, to translate the word that's in Genesis 1-1 as Jesus, then it actually says, in the beginning, God, Jesus, created the heavens and the earth. Now, the thing is, that jives with what John said. Right. If we go back to John 1, let's look at the first three verses of John 1 again. In ESV, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Okay? In the text, it says, Elohim, Jesus. Jesus, yep. That word is right next to God's name. Yeah. Okay, so it says, The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So if, it, so if we read in the beginning, God, Jesus, created the heavens and the earth, then that jives perfectly with John 1, 1 through 3. Yeah. And, uh, so, and just to add a little bit um, more fun stuff to this, if we jump over to Zechariah, the 12th chapter, verse 10, uh, we find this word slapped right dab in the middle of that uh, of a sentence there as well. Now, this sentence, this this is a prophecy about the Messiah, right? But it's really vague. I mean, obviously, the Hebrews don't believe that this is a prophecy about Jesus, right? But they know that it's a prophecy about their Messiah. But it says, "And they will look to me, whom they have pierced, and they will wail over him." Okay, so that's what the text reads in in. Um, most, you know, translation, something similar to that. Sure. If we look at the interlinear, we're going to see, we're going to find that untranslated Aleph Tav right there in between the words me and whom. <laughs> so when you read it, let's again read that word as meaning Jesus. It says, and they look to me, Jesus, whom they have pierced, and they will wail over him. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just powerful when you think about that. And, and 
you know, now we're not saying this 100% like, you know, but honestly, it makes total sense. And how amazing is it that you can look back and you can say, okay, that was written 100 or 1,000 years before Jesus yeah. was even born. Right. Right? And yeah. it talks about Jesus being pierced. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is just, okay, so that's such a faith builder, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so amazing. cool. And then this thing gets deeper than this. I mean, it just really starts to, oh, it's so wacky. Right. And, and, and this is where it would help also if this was visual, if you could see some of this. But um, the original Hebrew alphabet, it, it has changed since the original alphabet. Right. Uh, the original, it, it had the same letters, but the original was more pictographic than what the current one is. Right. Um, so they're, they're um, so a little bit about Hebrew. The it's not it's not a phonic language like English is. Right. So like in English, our letter A simply means the sound A ah. or ah. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean it really doesn't right. serve any purpose mm-hmm. other than phonics. I mean right. that's all we do is we put together phonetical symbols to pronounce words. Right. But the Hebrews didn't do that. Like their language works completely different. It's like uh, Chinese. Yes, yes, and and the Chinese have have this even more so, right? Than uh, than than the Hebrew language. But in the Hebrew language, every letter not only um, helps spell a word, but it also has a numeric value, and this is referred to as gematria. When whenever. Um, Whenever you have uh, numbers mm-hmm. or letters and numbers, they ha- that's how they derive their numbers is through the letters. Right. The letters also have specific meanings. So, like, uh, here's a great example of how the Hebrew language works together. So you have the first letter of the alphabet is Aleph, mm-hmm. if we've been talking about it. And one of the meanings of Aleph is the head, the first, the leader. Okay? So you take that. And the second letter of their alphabet is, oddly enough, bet. <laughs> okay, bet means home or house. Okay, you'll see it in the first uh, of like places like Bethel. Right. Okay, Bethel. House of God. House of God. Right. Okay, so bet means house. So Aleph means the leader, and bet means house. If you put those two together, it spells a word. Aleph Bet spells the word Ab, and Ab in Hebrew means father. Right. So you have think about the meanings of those word of those letters put together actually make a, a bigger word. So the leader of the house is the father. Right. So that's you see how it works together, and, you, and we you know like Jesus in even not Ab Bar right Ba no Ab. If in like what Jesus does in um, uh, like in in some of the passages he's quoted saying Abba Father. Oh yeah, yeah. Abba yeah. is the uh, the playful uh, term of endearment of Ab. Mm-hmm. So it's taking Ab and then spelling it. I'm thinking again. Bar Son of. Yeah, yeah, and we'll, and we'll talk about that too. That'll that'll come up too. <laughs> Sorry, but anyway, what this does is this allows you to to put these these letters together and make bigger words. And so sometimes some words have bigger meanings than you even think because of the meanings of the letters inside right. of them. Right. Yeah. So okay. So putting all that aside, 
let's go back to what the original language looked like. The, the original letters uh, had these pictographs. And so <clears throat> I'm just going to have to d- kind of describe these pictographs sure, because absolutely. you can't see them. But uh, we're, let's just look at this word, Aleph Tav. Okay, Aleph in its original form, um, it, of course, now it's just two strokes of a, of a pen. Right. But but in the original pictograph, it was um, an ox, like the little head of an of a bull or right. an ox was Aleph, and then Tav, oddly enough, is a cross. That was how they used to write Tav was just a little like a T, like a lowercase right. T. It looks like a cross. Okay, so if you put Aleph and Tav together in their original. Uh, hieroglyphic form in their pictograph form, it's a picture of a bull or an ox and a cross. Okay, well, a bull or an ox is a sacrificial animal in the Hebrew religion, right? right. <laughs> and you, the cross didn't probably didn't mean much to the Hebrews, but now we know what a cross is. Right, absolutely. And so you basically have a sacrifice on, on, a, cross. on a cross. And Jesus is saying, I am this. I am, I am the sacrificial lamb. I'm, yeah. I am God. I am the sacrificial lamb. All of this, he's staying, saying with Aleph and Tav. Yeah, and it's brilliant embedded together. Yeah. So, okay, let's go a little bit further okay. in some of, of these word meanings, letter meanings, and, and, and how they fit together. So uh, let's go back to the very first word of the Bible, in the beginning. Yeah. That's one word in the Hebrew, and that word is barashit. And uh, so barashit is spelled bet resh aleph shin yad tav so um so that's there are these what is that six letters in the hebrew alphabet that make up the word in the beginning or right. the very first word of the bible okay now if we examine what these symbols mean what these what these uh letters mean specifically it can actually also spell a sentence in and of itself. So you have the first two letters, bet and resh. If you put those together, it spells the word sun, bar. Bar, yeah. Okay, okay so you have, uh, like you mentioned, bar means son of. So like if you, um, if, if you, it was very common to be called by the son of your father. You didn't necessarily have a last name. Right in in during this time frame, you'd have been like I'd be David, son of John, you know, and you'd be Jeremiah, son of Blake. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and and you'll hear that throughout the New Testament too. You'll hear Jesus say uh, Simon Barjona, right, which is Simon, Simon son, of Jonah. son of Jonah. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, a lot of times they just refer to people as their son of Bar- right. Barnabas, um, uh, Barabbas. Right. Uh, these are all sons of. Rabbis, son of Nabbas. So the bar means son of, son of. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so if we take those first two letters, it makes up the word son. Uh, Aleph means the first or the head or God. It can actually mean God in and of itself, all by itself. Right. So then you've got shin, which means to destroy. And that's teeth. Yeah, right. it's drawn with like a, a couple of pieces. Like it looks like a couple of teeth. Right. Yeah. Uh, yod is the next letter, and it means uh, hands or arms or works 
or uh, you know things that you do with your hands. Right. Tav is drawn by the cross again, and it means a covenant or a mark. So, and it's a cross. Right. Okay, so if we put all this together, it actually, if you were to read it like a sentence instead of a word, it actually says the Son of God will be destroyed by his hands on a cross. <laughs> wow. So the a- Son of God will be destroyed by his hands on a cross. Yeah. I mean, it's the gospel right there. In the very first word of the Bible. In the very first word of the Bible. Yeah. I'm <laughs> speechless, really, because it's so, it's powerful how much that speaks to the the truthfulness that's in our scripture. Yeah. That's and just, it's like this type of, you can't contrive this type of stuff. I mean, it's like, I mean, a, a lot of people go, well, that's way out there or whatever. But really, if you think about it, how could you plan it out so that you write these sentences in the Bible and then at the same time make all the words really mean these these prophetic things and have all these symbols tied underneath? Like, for us, it's digging to find this stuff. Right. But for the Hebrew, man, this would have been faith-building stuff for, the, for those Hebrews too because they go back and they read their original scrolls and they go, wait a second, because they can see the sentence in the first word. They can see... Um, the Aleph Tav in there. Right. And they're probably been wondering their entire life, what is that word, dude? What? Right. I mean, we, we never read it. We never really, you know, use it for, for much of anything. Um, but anyway, going back to this, this, this very first word of the, of the, if we go to the, back to the Revelation, I want to read uh, Revelation 13, verse 8 in the NLT or the NILT. <laughs> it says, Awesome. All the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. Yeah. Okay, so I, th- I think about that. What, what it's saying in the Revelation is that the lamb, the sacrifice, was slaughtered before the world was even made. Now, you could say that simply means God planned it beforehand. Right. Preordained it. I mean, whatever, predestined, whatever name you, whatever word you want to throw in it. Right. Um, but what it literally says is that the first thing that happened even before the world was created was this sacrifice happened. Now, think about the actual very first word of the Bible. Jesus is technically being destroyed in the very first word of the Bible, before the world is the getting world made. Is made. <laughs> They're saying that Jesus is destroyed, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, it just really it really works. Now, it Man. depends on the translation you read. Uh, that's a difficult passage to translate. Some, mm-hmm. some translations will say the, the names were written in the book before the world was made. And some say it was written into the Lamb who was slaughtered before the world's made books. So right. it's kind of hard to determine who the subject of that uh, right. action is that it's referring to. But um, the NLT, the King James, several of these translations actually render it, the Lamb was yeah. slaughtered before the, the world yeah. began. And I've seen people use that and go to some crazy hokey theology, like Harold Camping. I don't know if you ever heard of Harold Camping. 
Yeah, but you'd have to remind me. I'm not... He's the guy that said the world was going to end in 2000. What was it? Oh, one of those guys? Yeah, 2014. <laughs> was it 14, 2014? Something like that. Anyways. Oh, May 31st or whatever. May 31st, yeah, yeah, that's right. He's Harold Camping is the guy that did that. And he, um, but he claimed that that God actually did crucify Jesus before the world was made. Like physically. Physically. And that the other thing was just a picture. Uh, You know, it it wasn't real. Right, gotcha. (laughs) Wow. It was Jesus coming and showing. No, what happened was... Jesus came down to earth and he showed everybody uh, what um, <laughs> was, you know, showed everybody how he did it before the right, foundation. Right, was. Right. So he crucified himself again. <laughs> <laughs> Just to show everybody. This is what happened. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so go ahead. Okay, well, let's go to, um, let, let's look at Jesus's name. Okay. Specifically. Uh, so whenever Jesus is born, uh, they just didn't pull this name out of the hat. Right. So if we go to Matthew 1, verse 21, I'm going to read from the NET. It says, uh, this is an angel speaking to Joseph. He says, she will give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Okay, so yeah. Joseph is being commanded here. To name his name Jesus. To, to name this child Jesus. Right. So so it wasn't a mistake or it wasn't just a happy coincidence or anything else, this is providence right? that Jesus gets this name. Now, the cool thing is what they actually said, and let's remember we're reading this in English, and the name Jesus isn't actually what anybody ever said right. back in, in the days of Jesus. It said Yeshua. Yeshua was his name. And so uh, whenever he, they say, uh, you will name him Yeshua, uh, Yeshua means in Hebrew, it actually has a meaning. It's a word. Right. It's not just a name. It's a word that they actually used, and the word means a savior, salvation, being saved from, welfare, deliverance, uh, well-being. I mean, so listen to what the angel says. Call him Yeshua because he will save his people from their sins. Right. So this man's destiny is going to be in his name. Right. And we want you to name him this. Yes. So... His name means salvation. Salvation. Mm. Now, what's cool is if we go back, we can actually find the word Yeshua in the Old Testament. Now, uh, one place we can find it is Isaiah 12, verse 2. Okay. So I'm going to read this in the ESV. It says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Mm. Okay. Now, what that says in Hebrew is, Behold, God is Yeshua. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become Yeshua. Yeshua. Mm -hmm. Now, the word God here, Lord, once again, these are references to Yahweh, to the very name of God, the unpronounceable name of God, that uh, as the Hebrews referred to it. So you have... you have this basically saying, behold, God is Jesus. Yeah. I will trust and will not be afraid for the Lord God is my strength and my song and he has become Jesus. <laughs> That's so, I mean, uh, <laughs> speechless. I don't know what to say about that other than amazing how God is. And uh, so, so if we look at how he's saying that, that basically saying that he's God, 
Uh, let's go and look at a couple of other places, like Isaiah 42, verse 8 says, I am the Lord. Of course, this is God himself speaking. Once again, that word, the Lord, is being translated from the unpronounceable name of God, uh, tetragrammat- tetragrammaton, whatever right. you want to call it. It's uh, yad He vad He in the Hebrew language. It's four Hebrew letters, and it's unpronounceable to the Hebrews, but we've tried every way in the world to pronounce it. We put vowels in there and say Yahweh or Yehovah, which becomes Jehovah. Um, but anyway, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. So here's God dis- describing himself and saying, this is my name and there is no other God. Okay. I'm not going to give my glory to anybody else. That's what he says. I'm not going to give my glory to anybody. Right. But yet in John 17, verse five, it's again, the book of John, Jesus talking and saying, and now father talking to, to Yahweh, the father, God, and now father glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Wow. So Jesus is basically saying, I had that glory before, and you're going to glorify me again. You're going to give it back to me. And here's God over here in the Old Testament going, I will give my glory to nobody else. Right. So either Jesus is lying, and he's not God. Or he's God. Or he's God. <laughs> and he had the gl- and he and, and the Father were one whenever this statement was being Made yeah. was being made. Okay, so this word Yahweh, Yadhe Vadhe. Yes. Let's look at that for a minute. Okay. Okay. So if we look, let's go back to our pictograph thing. Right. Go back to the original design of the Hebrew language and look at the pictographs. the The word uh, Yad or the letter Yad is. Um, let's see. Make sure I'm getting this right. Yad is hands. Right. Okay. Uh, he is a little stick figure. It's like a little man with his hands up in the air. Yep. And it means low or behold. Um, and then you have Vav, which is, it looks like a Y in the original pictograph. Right. Uh, but it means nail or a peg. Right. Okay. So if you go Yad, He, Vav, He. And you put this in the pictograph form. You've got two stick figures there with their hands up. You've got this nail in between them, and you've got the hands on the, on the, on the outside here. So basically it says, if we read it backwards from right to left instead of, uh, I mean, it's from left to right instead of right to left. It says, behold the nails, behold the hands. <laughs> okay, that's the very name of God. Behold nails, behold hands. Is it just a coincidence that Jesus was pierced in the hands? I mean, there's no way it can With be nails? a coincidence. <laughs> wow. And what's even cooler is what Pilate says. In John 19, verse 5, you've got Jesus. Uh, 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 he's been scourged. Beaten, yeah. He's been, uh, and, and Pilate's basically trying to get out of the deal. Right. Right? He's trying to say, um, he's trying to say, look, look at this guy. Right. Do you really want me to kill this guy now? I mean, look what I've done to him. That's kind of what's happening. But right. what comes out of Pilate's mouth is, behold the man. So in, in John 19, verse 5, he says, So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, 
And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. So in a way, Pilate said, This is God. Yeah. He, behold the nails. Behold. Behold yeah. the hand. Be, behold this guy. This is God. <laughs> he didn't even really know it. Wow. But he's using the exact lettering of, of, of this. And uh, it, it, there's another really funny thing about Pilate. Pilate put uh, the accusation on the... Um, on the cross. On the cross. Yeah. Above Jesus whenever he was... Behold the king of the Jews. Yeah, it was like uh, Jesus of Nazareth, king, king of, of the, the Jews, Jews yeah. is, is what he put on there. And he put it there in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Okay, but the fact that he put it there in Hebrew just totally sent these guys through the roof like the Pharisees. Because what they do? They come in there and say, no, 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 no. Don't say that. Right. Say that he claimed he was right. king of the Jews. And he was like, what I've written, I've written, and you can't change anything about it. Now, to us, that just basically sounds like that the Hebrews are upset because he says that he's actually the king of the Jews. Right. Which that might be part of it. But there's a bigger thing. You know, the Hebrews were big into acrostics. They were big into codes and letters, and that's why this stuff is real, man. Right. The stuff that we're doing, that we're looking at here, this is not accidental stuff. This, right. This is stuff that the Hebrews would have gotten, gotten because yeah. they were big into this type right. of wordplay. Okay, so if you take the acrostic of uh, Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews... If you take that written in Hebrew and take the first letter of each word, you know what it spells? Yad, hey, vav, hey. Wow. <laughs> so Pilate put God, God on top of the God's cross. name above Jesus yeah. on the cross. So that would have just, oh, man, those guys had to be absolutely livid right. at that. <laughs> and so, and I, th- I honestly think Pilate did that intentionally because he was being pressured into this. And he was like, fine, you want this? This is how it's going down. <laughs> I mean, but he, did he have a clue that he was saying God? Oh, I would think so. But he had to have known the Hebrews pretty well to be governing <laughs> Judea. Right. You know? but, but anyway, the, the, this is the cool thing is Which that is all of this points to who Jesus is. Right. Right, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Aleph and the Tav. He's the Word, the Salvation. And he's God. Amen. So, but uh, I want to read this cool little thing. Sure. Like if you've ever listened to Chuck Missile, you've heard this before. Uh, but the but the the cool thing is it's been used by preachers all over the place. Right. And it'll just take a, a minute or two to read it. But it's really cool because if you want to know who Jesus is, I think this does a really good job of explaining who he sure. is. So it says. He is the king of the Jews. He is the king of Israel. But he's also king of the ages, king of heaven, king of glory, king of kings and lord of lords. He is a prophet before Moses, a priest after Melchizedek, a champion like Joshua, an offering in the place of Isaac, a king from the line of David, a counselor above Solomon, beloved, rejected, and exalted like Joseph, and yet far more. The heavens declare his glory, and the firmament shows his handiwork. He who is, who was, and who will always be. The first and the last. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the Aleph and the Tav, the A and the Z. He is the Ego Haime. He is the Yad He Vav He, the I Am that I am, the voice of the burning bush, 
the captain of the Lord's host, the conqueror of Jericho. He is our kinsman redeemer, our avenger of blood, and he is our city of refuge. He was crucified on a cross of wood, yet he made the hill on which it stood. And by him were all things made that were made. Without him was not anything made that was made. By him are all things held together. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He became the first fruits of them that slept. He is our performing high priest, our personal prophet, our reigning king. He is enduringly strong, entirely sincere, eternally steadfast. He is imperially uh, powerful, immortally graceful, impartially merciful. He stands alone in himself. He's unique, preeminent, supreme, unparalleled. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of theology. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism because he's the son of God. There is no means of measuring his love. It was written in blood on a wooden cross in Judea over 2,000 years ago. He was born of a woman so that we could be born of God. He humbled himself so that we could be lifted up. He became a servant so that we could be made joint heirs. He suffered rejection so that we could be, become his friends. He denied himself so that we could freely receive all things. He gave himself so that he could bless us in every way. He is available to the tempted and the tried. He blesses the young, cleanses the lepers, defends the feeble, delivers the captives, discharges the debtors, forgives the sinners, franchises the meek, guards the besieged, heals the sick, provides strength to the weak, regards the aged, rewards the diligent, serves the unfortunate. He sympathizes and he saves. His offices are many, his reign is righteous, his promises are certain, his goodness is limitless, his light is matchless, his love never changes, his grace is sufficient, his mercy is everlasting, his word is enough, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. He is indescribable, incomprehensible, irresistible, and invincible. I wish I could describe him to you. <laughs> the heavens cannot contain him. Man cannot explain him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but learned they couldn't stop him. The witnesses couldn't agree against him. Pilate couldn't find any fault with him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. He has always been and always will be. He had no predecessor and will have no successor. Successor, You cannot impeach him, and he's not going to resign. His name is above every name, and at the name of Yeshua, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Whew. <laughs> so powerful. It's awesome. All right, you got some news? Yeah, let's do it. And now, the news. Well, a new study uh, by find, uh, Feeding America and the Urban Institute found that teenagers in America are frequently in such a severe state of food insecurity that they've resorted to doing sex work in exchange for food. The study uh, spoke of almost 200 teenagers between the ages of 13 and 18 in 20 focus groups across 10 different communities, including big cities like Chicago, Los Angeles, as well as rural areas like uh, rural North Carolina, eastern Oregon, uh, who were members, members of families facing poverty and food insecurity. The lead author, uh, Susan Pokin, uh, is quoted as saying, We heard the same story everywhere, a really disturbing picture about hungry, uh, hunger and food insecurity affecting the well-being of some of the most valuable young people. The fact that we heard it everywhere from kids in the same way tells us there's a problem and that we should be paying attention to. Um, 13 of the 20 focus group teen girls talked about selling their body wow. from, for food. Dude. Is that crazy? That is insane. In, and that's happening in our own backyard. So uh, we definitely need to be supporting our churches who are supporting uh, feeding hungry people across the United States. 
Also in our own backyard, uh, the White House wants to bring in 110,000 more refugees to the United States. Um, In 2017, Secretary of State John Kerry told Congress this week that the White House House plans to bring the refugees from around the world into the country next year. Um, It's a 57% increase since 2015. Wow. So no matter what you feel about it, we need to... uh, to be supportive of people who, who need our help, I believe. Yeah. And so, uh, you know. Yeah, it's a touchy subject because, man, people are like all over the whole, you know, how many of those are, are terrorists and, and et cetera, et cetera. So. Well, and I think that there could be a really good screening process. But on the other side, I, you know, I'm, I'm for anything that helps, period. I, you know, that's just me. But, and I know yeah. I'm totally uh, going against ninety percent of my your libertarian my views. libertarian views in that. But uh, Mr. Ron Swanson. But I think they need to be given a chance mm-hmm. here, you know. Yeah. And a benefit of the doubt. So who knows? It might blow up in my face. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, this is really interesting. After tweaking twenty nine verses, Bible translation becomes unchanging Word of God. Oh. I heard this. Did you hear about the ESV? Yes. yes. They put the lock on it. They did. So. After they just changed it. I know. Okay, go ahead. The ESV received its final update this summer, 17 years after it was first, first authorized by Crossway. Um, the Translation Oversight Committee changed just 52 words across 29 verses out of more than 775,000 words across more than 31,000 verses Mm -hmm. for the final permanent text edition. The board then voted unanimously to make the text, quote, unchanged forever in perpetuity. Man, I can't say that word right. (laughs) Perpetuity. So... um, they're, yeah, that's pretty deep. Yeah, the the this is uh, what Crossway stated. The text of the ESV Bible will remain unchanged in all future editions, printed and published by Crossway, in much the same way that the KJV has remained unchanged ever since the KJV text was established almost two almost two hundred and fifty years ago mm. in seventeen sixty nine. So yeah, there's been some debate about some of those changes they've made too. Right. They made some changes to Genesis, like some of the wording. Oh, really? In uh, in Genesis, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. It, it has to do with Genesis four seven. Or yes, three sixteen. Three sixteen. Well, they're both similar. Right. Uh, two of ESV's final changes were in Genesis and evoked slightly more uh, complementarian reading. <laughs> Genesis three sixteen was changed from "Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you." To you sh- your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Yeah, which is weird because I, I was doing a little uh, listening to to some of the the critics, yeah. and you were looking at the original Hebrew, and that word that they changed from four and two, um, from that to contrary yeah. to, is never used that way. Like, like this is the translator's. Bias wanting to going it to. right going into the into it. So that was a really strange change um, because it makes it sound like men and women are always going to be fighting. Right. That's what the new one makes it sound like. Like that's you're going to be your new nature. You're going to hate one another. Yeah. You're, you're going to be contrary to each to one another's. And whereas uh, the more 
traditional view of that is basically saying uh, that you're going to desire to be led and you're going to desire to lead. That that's kind of right. know, how it's been interpreted. But uh, well, anyway, it's just an interesting choice of, and then to say, oh, we're not, we're never changing this. Right, we're never changing it again. That's funny. Yeah. Okay. Which I, I kind of understand the idea behind actually right. saying, okay, we're done editing this. Right. I mean, I kind of get that because you can edit it to forever. I mean, you could always be changing something. Right. Um, well, and it, you know, they did the same thing for seven, where sin's desires for you, but you must rule over it. To sin's desires contrary to you. Yeah. But you must rule over it. Uh, I think four makes way more sense than contrary mm-hmm. in that, especially in that verse. Well, it, it all depends on what the original language says. Right. That's the thing. Are you going to be true to the original language, or you know, are you really stretching it because you want it to be more uh, modern or more up to right? It's the uh, third most popular Bible translation in America after the KJV and the NIV. Mm-hmm. More than a hundred thousand million. I actually or, sorry, really, 100 really million like it. printed copies. It's my favorite. I like mm-hmm. using it to to study with. It's my favorite to study with. I like using the uh, the Holman and uh, the Nilt to preach out of. Yeah, but I love using the the uh, the ESV. So yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. Um, all right, I uh, I got some uh, Pope news. Brothers and sisters, come together. All right, so uh, September 4, 2016, at 3.27 p.m., uh, uh, Mother Teresa was officially made a saint. Wow. Uh, so now she's Saint Teresa instead of Mother Teresa, which is cool. And to celebrate, I love this, Pope Francis decided to offer a pizza lunch to 1,500 poor and needy people <laughs> cared for by the missionaries of charity throughout It's the Mother Italy. Teresa pizza. Yeah. It's a Mother hey, Pizza. Mother Teresa became a saint. Let's do some <laughs> pizza. Let's a party. Mother to it's, pizza. It's a pizza party for Mother <laughs> Teresa. Uh, that's so cool. They traveled on different buses overnight to make the canonization mass of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Um, and set in reserve reserve section near the statue of St. Peter at the front of the square. These are a hundred, that's 1500 poor and needy people that did that. So they got a front row seat to the canonization ceremony and then they got pizza. Oh, wow. I love this guy. <laughs> I just, I so awesome. Like it's so cool. Okay. Uh, and then in this time of church history. Robert Thomas, the first uh, first Protestant missionary to um, Korea, was murdered today. Oh, and wow. he didn't last long in Korea. In fact, he lasted all two weeks, never touching the motherland. This is really, really, really cool story. So basically, what happened is this: Robert Thomas. Uh, this was in 1865. Um, he uh, he was a missionary in China. And God placed on his heart the untouchable continent of, or continent, the untouchable uh, country country of uh, um, Korea. Um, but it was closed off, completely impenetrable back then, right? Mm-hmm. And so he felt like God was telling him, you need to go. And so he found out that there was a ship that was planning on going and trying to establish trade with Korea and America. And so he said, "Listen, I will, uh, 
I will be a translator for you if you let me aboard that ship and let me do my missionary stuff. Mm. And so they're like, sure. So they went over there, and as soon as they got there, Korea said, stop, don't come any further. If you don't leave, we will kill you. And uh, and so they didn't leave, and so they tried to kill a couple of them, and it ended up the ship ran aground on a bar, and uh, for two weeks they were they were fighting off South Korea people with axes. What? Right. So for wow. two weeks they're fighting off these people. Uh, Robert Thomas knows that like he's probably not going to make it or anything. So it ends up they South Korea gets sick and tired of them fighting them off. So they just send in a mass army. They come in and they they storm the ship. And Robert Thomas, the story goes, Robert Thomas jumped out of the boat holding up his Bible and saying, Jesus, Jesus, in uh, in South Korean, or in Korean, whatever. Yeah. And uh, he got his head chopped off. What? But the guy who chopped off his head felt convicted that he was a good man, and so he grabbed his Bible, and he lined his walls with it <laughs> in his house. <laughs> and people started coming in and reading the scripture on his walls. Wow. And what happened is that uh, that guy was converted and started a home church. <laughs> and started an underground church in Korea because Robert Thomas was sacrificed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, order, in order to do that. That's insane. It's so cool. I love that That's story. Awesome. So it's just one more insanity of God story. Back wow. in the day that yep. you just don't hear about, but today, this day marks his uh, his uh, anniversary of being killed for the gospel. Wow, yep, that's a cool story. Yeah, so that's all I got, man. All right, you ready to get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to the GCT Network. Got blah blah blah. To find, find out, out more, more. <laughs> go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher, and be sure to rate us because it helps us to reach a larger, larger audience. Yeah, man, man, we need that right now. Yeah, like we need our, some our rating. Listen, our listening is down. I mean, our listeners are down. Where are y'all? Yeah, what you doing? Start listening. These are good things we're cranking out. <laughs> all right, anyways. All right, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends' friends. Yes. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts. And if you like us and you want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at Patreon. Dot com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees, equipment costs, etc., etc. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right. Thanks for being here, Jeremiah. Thank you, David. All right. God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972 972- Eight eight five seven two seven zero. Love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission.
is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. What's that? Oh, look, it's Jesus. And he said, stop it!